0: Welcome back to We Want More, the Harry Potter and Methods of Rationality Analysis Podcast. I'm Stephen Zuber.
1: I'm Brian Deacon. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hello.
0: I'm glad that you got all my references. All right. (laughs) So chapters 114 and 15, shut up and do the impossible. What'd you think, Brian, of the official solution to the final exam?
1: God, this was so – and – revealing the sausage to how this podcast is made my my notes are non-existent this week but we're also recording was,
0: sunday at 3 p.m because uh we had a hectic last because the i don't world. know several days yeah
1: um yeah this is so weird this week so and especially because we were about to record five days ago but then i wasn't feeling great so we're not so i've had five days to cogitate on the content of what what we read this week. Um, I think it kind of goes back a lot um, this time to kind of the, the, the core experience of noobs to, uh, to HP MOR is the like, even looking back on it, having kind of a fun experience of, oh, look at how this whole like mess played out was like actually super cool uh and to the extent I can do that and divorce my brain from a an entire like you know online overly analytical, this is how it should play out, and you know it, it, to the extent that I can you know cause reddit to not exist in my head um it it was cool, but like the it was so how this played out to me was silly and stupid and awesome and as long as we can like divorce the need for lawyers to be involved uh this was cool but to the to the extent that lawyers got into my head i'm like ah, oh, this is just fucking stupid man why like why were we getting all wound up about this so as far as like a homework assignment lame as far as like a how does this plot go like oh this was fun and awesome and cool
0: okay i I, <laughs> I i hear what you're saying and i i think that's uh a ballot take if it's not mine, but I, I do have two things to push back on. One, the lawyering thing. Someone pointed out that last episode when you were like, Oh, that's weird. How This Voldemort can fly even without the broomstick enchantments. And I'm like, Oh, well, he's got broomstick sleeves that he put on with the straps. And you're like, Oh, they're always bringing their lawyers. And someone pointed out, it's like, yeah, but you're the lawyer in this one, Brian, <laughs> you're the one who points out the, the fault. And then there is actually an explanation for it.
1: <laughs> All right. So I mean, Fair. so Grand, so fair. i was like that, to my like as far as you know the you know the customer is never wrong it's totally not true um the, like it would be like to the extent oops, sorry um it's as a reader to the extent that you make me care because it's like you know obviously there's all kinds of like crazy bullshit that we're expected to you know just accept you know suspend our disbelief um it's, but as, and especially like, as this gets turned into like a quote, you know, homework assignment and we're trying to kind of like analyze all the things that are and are not possible, then we're, you know, being, you know, in, engaging our, you know, comic book guy mind. <laughs> um, Like, so It it's more, it's, it's not so much, I mean, cause there's, there's a ton of things that like do and don't work if you're going to be, um, if you're going to bring your lawyer to the room. Um it's, it's the extent to which, like, you know, how much am I being asked to bring my lawyer to the room? And then, you know, like, how much do I care? Um, and I think, like, for that – and that's – so – and I think it was good that, it, like, a, I've had a few days to to sit on it since uh, now we're recording. It was actually kind of a really fun scene and kind of the – especially, like, the, the timing of what happened, like, like in that suddenly – Boom! Everybody in the room drops down dead. Um, That's kind of a a cool scene. Um, But like, in order to appreciate that, I had to pull myself away from the, you know, the homework assignment, you know, level of it because, like, so like this outcome is like stupid and and silly and ridiculous, and it works as a stupid and silly and ridiculous um, scene. But that like requires me pretending that the whole you know let's you know micro analyze everything that is and is not possible with magic that's gone on um, like this this like this didn't work. La- like last week we were talking about like okay, you know what what could I figure out figure out about what you know could have happened um, like I guess one of the things I thought was like, okay, there's no way you can you know suddenly defeat. You know, thirty-seven child molesters. Um, But apparently, you can if this undisclosed previous ability to guide the position and nature of stuff that you transfigured is there. Like, so it's just it it was
0: disclosed, but it it was subtle.
1: Yeah, I know. So So that's the thing. Like, it was so like it was it was too much. It was the combination of okay, we're going to give a great deal of credibility to all the kind of limits that we have put around you know magic and what we can do with it up to this point we're going to like give that a great deal of weight in this in this portion of of the plot um while then also like needing to like sell some you know pretty you know far-fetched like as so the, the idea that Harry could, uh, we're, we're dancing around it. So what happened in these couple chapters was Harry made some, um, Bucky tube, super strong filament, something, something, and beheaded 37 child molesters and, um, and took the hands off of Voldemort all in one instant, which is stupid and silly and awesome and super nerdy and great. And like, it was such a, it like, it's a cool scene. Um, and so it's like, it totally works for, for me that way. It's just, I need like, as the buildup for that I needed to, and I, I will like own that. I'm like calling this a fault. I needed to erase in my head, all of the buildup to that with the, like trying to be super, analytical about what is and is not possible. And like all the things that brought up in my head about, okay, apparently we're super worrying about, you know, what can and cannot be transfigured and what what can and cannot be done. Um, I had to kind of like throw all of that away because if I was going to, if my lawyers were going to come to the room, my lawyers were going to tear it apart. My lawyers are fucking assholes and screw them. And I had to kick them <laughs> out the door um, and so, like it's like a, it, it was a very nerdy, awesome kind of uh, like oh, you wouldn't have uh, you know, it wasn't like some tank scene of like oh, I'm gonna overpower Voldemort. It was it was a very sort of like clever, nerdy, mental kind of way to overcome the situation. So like that part I dug, um, but it you know it required it required a level of Um, like suspension of disbelief that was then kind of invoked too much. And that was the hard part was like, we were purposely in many other layers building up to the scene. We were, we were bringing in the lawyers for um, suspension of disbelief and that didn't work. And I had to kick those assholes out in order to enjoy it. So that's sort of my critique with it. But on the other hand, a very kind of cool ass, like, and then suddenly the entire room in a very, like, the most, like, anti-Quentin Tarantino scene of, and suddenly the entire room drops dead. It's only Harry. and that's like super cool. So that part
0: was cool. It, it's it's almost Tarantino if it lasted longer, right?
1: Yeah. Well, no, if it, they, it's like if They're all
0: screaming and pounding at the doors while their all heads are being cut off. That'd be more Tarantino. Yeah.
1: It's also sort of, um, it's sort of like Tarantino. Yeah, in I how think that there, there was a couple things Tarantino. It is And that like the opposite of anybody standing around yelling at each other. It's suddenly nobody's there in the room anymore, which and that part was oh, like sure. super cool I gotcha. like, because that was so like like. Different like that that part was very unique to the situation. It's like, okay, there's suddenly this super tense you know situation, what all is going on, how do we resolve this, and then suddenly, I'm the only person in the room uh it was like this great like snapped to like a completely different vibe to how the whole situation's going on.
0: I can dig it, yeah, I mean it's it's uh there there was a couple things with it. one was like uh well, so. At the beginning, uh, you had said that this, like, you have to kind of take Reddit out of your head and just imagine this being kind of its own thing. And what's fun, the only thing I put in the notes was the first three lines of the story, um, which is beneath the moonlight glints a tiny fragment of silver, a fraction of a line, and then parentheses, black robes falling, and then another line break, dot, 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 blood spills out in liters, and someone screams a word. And yeah. so yeah, this, and was the, was this was a the plan from the actually. beginning.
1: Yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of really cool, like those little, I mean, Yatkowski is really good at this, these little moments of just like nice verbal kind of little moments of just well phrased things. There, there was several of those this time around.
0: Well, what what's funny is that's the first three lines of the story. Um, so that, that was like kind of, you know, no idea what this meant, where'd this come from at the beginning. And the other thing too, was like, uh, part of the added author's notes from the last chapter was, uh, Like any author, I enjoy the delicious taste of my readers suffering finer than any chocolate, but I don't want to hurt you. This is him (laughs) saying like, look, if you're stressing out about this, don't everyone else is working on it. And speaking of everyone else working on it, this was actually a really fun time. Um, I remember the, uh, I don't know the outline anyway, of kind of how it went down. I know that Alexander Wales who wrote metropolitan man, um, kind of coordinated all of the Reddit threads and we had like, uh, Google spreadsheets or yeah. And, uh, Just a a way to kind of keep all the ideas to in order, so that people weren't, you know, in different areas discussing the same thing, trying to find the conclusion. And it was just, it was awesome watching. I don't know, thousands of people coordinate to, you know, like you, like you might say, comic book guys solve a problem. But it was, it was so much fun. Um, Well, yeah, and that's that was that was the main thing.
1: Yeah, and probably like. the recurring theme that comes back to to Brian's reaction to the to the whole thing is like the 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 problem with the comic book guy part of it. It's it's not the like the micro analytical part of it is super fun if we can like stay in the headspace of this is a fun thing that I am running with, um, and just like you know I am a total nerd and and running around with okay like this puzzle we've been given about you know what can and can't be done and how do we get out of that like that part's totally cool it's the it's it's when it departs into this uh, i don't know i'm not even sure how to describe it but like uh i don't know that like some kind of sort of like bitter you know Self-important, better than you, kind of like the the comic book guy. Everything yeah, so, you so do, like a comic book through. guy. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's and yeah, to the extent that, that that comes through. So, like, as a fun, weird, and bizarre, and super nerdy outcome to this, you know, tense situation we we were pre- presented with, uh, it was it was super cool. It, it, putting it, framing it as like, okay, here's this, you know, quote, homework assignment. Um, And like, even, even as that would, is totally fine. But I guess the, in, you know, after the fact, you know, trying to frame it as, well, clearly this is, you know, one of the, you know, possible resolutions to this, to this scenario. Like it was, it was silly and bizarre and random and the the idea that like oh this is like one of the possible solutions that would have come out as you know like oh like you should have thought of something similar to this one is like like silly and to the to the extent that it that it comes across as like well clearly any you know right minded smart person would have thought of something similar to
0: this well I don't think that's it's at just, all the implication yeah, Th- this, yeah this this I, was say, a, yeah, a like yeah. an awesomely contrived this this was riding the nerd high of like uh I don't know, analyzing a fight between Thor and Hulk or something, right? Like this is this was just peak, enjoy the nerdum. I don't think that there was ever supposed to be this kind of like wasn't this obvious in retrospect sort of thing. It's not even obvious once you know it. Like it's understandable, but it's it's not the uh I, I I don't think it's, it's, it would be fair for anyone to say, oh yeah, of course this was the way to do it. Cause nobody guessed it in the first 10 seconds. Right. Like, so yeah. if it's, it's not obvious, but it's awesome. I, so, yeah, I, I and have, like, really like yeah, and I'm
1: totally on. Yeah. And I mean, it, and it is like, as far as like pushing all your nerd buttons, it's, it's really fucking cool. Like, so it totally works like on that level. It's I I think, yeah, I, I mean, it's hard. And I think that's a lot of, as we, as we're nearing the end of the book and I'm sort of trying to imagine, you know, how would some other Brian Deacon, you know, op- approach this as a, you know, quote, non-rationalist. I think that like that vibe of, you know, what I, I'm not even sure how to describe it, just that the, that sense of, of, you know, how, of how, you know, knowable or um, how, you know, how much, to what extent this was a game against which one would score points and this was among the solutions one would score. Um, It's silly and uh, on that level. And if you were going to try to, you know, grade it on that level, it, it doesn't work um
0: yeah i don't think that that's that's the way that like people are thinking about it i think it kind of like it it skates the it skates past the problem with like the end of sherlock holmes stories where at the end he pulls all this you know mumbo jumbo out of his ass and then solves the mystery this would have been that if we didn't know if we hadn't seen him you know transfiguring against tension if we hadn't seen bucky tubes in the past um if we hadn't seen the swerving Sunner, if it just turned out that he knew all of these and we didn't, that would have been dramatically unsatisfying. As it was, this turned into a fun two and a half day game for the for the fans who wanted to partake. And like, all right, cool. I put in all the clues. You guys go forth and have fun. And that that was the that was the joy of it.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then you it know, got I, to be I, this I was like, fun. I was actually really glad, like at least from what I said. So I've been my quote you know, canonical version of what I've been reading is, has just been the, you know, the EPUB that I, that I downloaded and that included, uh, for these, uh, chapters, the notes from Yudkowsky about, about these chapters between, you know, between the posting of them. So like at the, between the two chapters that we're reading this week, it was like, okay, the next chapter is going to post in 10 minutes, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, but that, yeah, that, idea of like the sort of like participation and the kind of the enthusiasm in the moment um is 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 and i and i was kind of able to even participate that you know in that kind of like post factor like i could feel that vibe um yeah it's it's i'm not even sure where i was going with this this thought but um
0: for me it's just fun to think about what the author like got to sit back and enjoy doing this. Like, yeah. that, oh, yeah, I, I, imagine, like. I imagine him like, writing out the author's note and then sitting back or, you know, hitting enter sitting back, steepling his fingers and just waiting for the responses <laughs> to start rolling in and laughing. Like I, like how much fun would it be to be able to kick that off? Yeah. I thought no, of yeah, well, it for
1: me was, yeah. And that, that's what I was thinking about was in, in the, in the notes that he put between those chapters was the like, okay, you know, if you guys don't like this part, um, like whatevs, but, you know, there are a great many people that are enjoying this puzzle and let them enjoy it. And that's what really kind of like that part really like sunk for me as the, you know, the, like that, that, like that's the fun part of what's going on here was the, I presented you with a puzzle. How do we work through it? And like these, you know, and this is the one I ran with.
0: Yeah. And, and there were other solutions that were, I think, I think perfectly viable. I mean, uh, the, this was the one that I think, I mean, obviously the author had in mind the whole time. Like I like I said, the first, like the, the scene we got fractions of at the very beginning of the story. So this is the one that he, I think, wanted people to guess. Um, but what was fun, too, was like, you know, you pointed out in the last episode that, okay, well, there's no way Harry's able to do this. In a room full of Death Eaters, he's got to find some way to get them out of the picture first. And it's like, well, yeah, he, he found some way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I, what I like about the whole strategy was that, like you said, it didn't involve him punching them all out or you know coming up with some super overpowering force. It was a subtle kind of Munchkiny way to solve the problem. Yeah. And almost yeah, like, I, I, he, I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah, maybe like Munchkiny. y for me has because uh, uh, that's a term I didn't know until I met you. But <laughs> like, like. That it has a, it's a, it's a clever solution. It's not a, a like, oh, let me just like try to overpower that. But, um, but yeah, it's the, okay, there's 37 people here. How do we end them? (laughs) And totally fine with the idea of ending 37 child molesters. Um, But yeah. So yeah, I dug, I dug that part of like, okay, what would we do in order to, you know, okay, I've got, 37 gullible and you know docile uh, subjects for my experiment for how we do this, poof, they're suddenly all gone. Like that, yeah, I, I really did. That like pushed all the nerd buttons about like, you know, this is how a level one wizard turns into a level 12 wizard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> or this is how a level one wizard beats a level 12 wizard, exactly. right?
1: No, not, no, no. Well, I don't know. It, you know, in terms of like, uh, you know, nerds playing video games. No, this is like a level 12 wizard is something to be, you know, contended with, but this is how a level one wizard turns into the level 12 wizard to overcome the level 30 tank. Cause fuck those tanks.
0: Okay. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It's what what's fun. is like, like- <laughs> uh, and, and I'm, you know, I, I never played a lot of like tabletop RPGs. I played one for a while, but not enough to be able to talk too much in that lingo. But, you know, if you're playing, uh, there's like the uh, the term they use called cheesing when you're you're playing, I don't know, some whatever game versus a hard boss. Well, if you hide on the other side of this door and just swing after every one of their swings, you can land a hit and they keep missing. That's called cheesing, right? Um, so this is... It's almost like that, but it was a clever way to be like, "Oh no, actually, if you go to the top of this building and then jump off and do whatever, you deal a one-hit KO." Uh, so
1: it's, <laughs> exactly.
0: It's, it's like kind of like that. You can you can do it like the hard that, yeah. way, which might be impossible, or you find this sneaky, subtle, awesome yeah. way to do it.
1: And I am totally on board. That that to me, like, if we're gonna have like to come up with a what is the theme of the entire thing? It's the like, okay, it's the what's the? I should I should know better, but the the. Captain Kirk, something Japanese name of defeat oh
0: Kobayashi
1: the, Maru. The, the Kobayashi Maru, exactly. It's like that's like the total theme. It's the okay. Your test is bullshit. I question your assumption. I defeat you <laughs> at the level of <laughs> of even trying to meet your you know your metric. Uh, like that's and this is totally that, and I'm like totally on with that. It's, it's, and we do, and we did present it that way that's like, okay, he is surrounded by 37 child molesters and Satan. I and, like how you
0: just tubbed out Death Eaters completely for child molesters.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, it's gonna like, actually, and that I, you know, that what I think Yudkowsky does, and what, and what totally works is both the 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 idea of like okay who are death eaters and what is voldemort like we don't try to put any subtlety to that at all it's like okay death eaters are pure evil voldemort is pure evil at to the extent that we had all see the the true voldemort we don't we don't try to like you know qualify that or you know make that any kind of complicated whatever he's just pure evil
0: he's not like um, dr doom where he's got some vision from the future and he's trying to avert it or something yeah yeah we have uh, no,
1: like there's no need or reason to try to like justify any of quarrel slash voldemort's behavior and especially as like the more we see quarrel like becoming voldemort it's, it's so for me in, in these few chapters it hasn't been like oh now this suddenly explains you know all of the shitty things that quarrel has said um in some sort of like subtle way it's 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 now like oh yeah no all that shit where he sounded like a nazi is because he's totally a fucking nazi um, <laughs> like and it, like it's it sort of puts that away it's 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 a way of like okay in this story in which we are telling you know a tale of you know how how does you know somebody comes to terms with their own like with Harry, you know, how does Harry come to terms with his own kind of morality? Like we're not at all trying to, you know, qualify or complicate Quirrell slash Voldemort's, you know, look on the world. Quirrell's just straight up evil. um, And it's just sort of like placed there, You you know, we don't need to like, you know, come to any sort of complicated understanding of like, you know, what is, what is Quirrell's understanding of like, you know, there are some evil people or incompetent people in the, you know, ministry of magic, like, okay, you no, know, Quirrell has just sort of dismissed them as beneath himself and uh, and has decided that it's okay if he just, you know, rules over all of humanity without any sense of empathy or compassion like we know we, like we understand we understand coral like that's put there as kind of this in in a, a lot of the same way that uh that fox is put in as kind of a a kind of you know pure stand in for goodness um like or put there yeah or well yeah Hermione, uh, you know i wonder how i think about that i i don't know you know i Probably like you, I like Hermione so much. I don't want to dismiss her as just a, you know. Oh, a I, don't, I don't think she's goodness.
0: I don't think she's just anything. I think she's all these yeah. things plus the epitome of goodness. Yeah, um,
1: yeah. I guess I w- like. Well, yeah, like, you I know, know, she, she's, sure. she's, I, uh, I want. I want to think of Hermione as more, more important and speaking to the idea of goodness than. Than Quirrell slash Voldemort is to I, I I yeah I guess I I don't want to think of Hermione as just sort of a stand-in for you know goodness with a capital G in the same way that I want to think of Quirrell as you know evil with a capital E.
0: I hear you. you yeah. Know. No, that that makes sense. And
1: that may just totally be because Hermione's awesome, and I don't want her to reduce her to that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think it's possible to. Put her like put that as one of her feats, but not like yeah. you know her only thing. Yeah. But that said, I mean, she she has some uh like we. I I I don't want to also devalue it by saying she has no growing left to do. Right? Maybe yeah. you know she, she she probably has some some aspects where she can yeah. can use some. But in any case, uh, what was it yeah,
1: again? I guess I, feel, I yeah I feel like Udalski sort of in, invested a, a portion of himself in the character of Hermione and her goodness, whereas kind of quarrel slash Voldemort is just kind of a, a you know, a generic stand in for, for evilness um, in a way that like, I, I don't think he was sort of that kind of abstract and flippant with Hermione.
0: What I think is more like, what, at the what very put least- down
1: is Hermione's fucking awesome. And I'm totally on board with that. And yeah, <laughs>
0: i like it yeah i mean what i liked that we got with voldemort is that like at least we see that he's a damaged person underneath or a broken person like where the the one in the, the canon books you just get he's the bad guy because the story needs a bad guy and he, like there's there's no motivation or anything in this one you find that there's not really motivation because he doesn't have anything that he's aiming for other than not dying he's just he's just a this was what he found to be the least shitty way to live his life, which yeah. is like super depressing. Yeah, you know, I think so I, I, like, I like that we got that that uh like character nuance to him, right?
1: Yeah, but I, I wonder if that's like where you and I, and maybe or you know, me and quote everybody else differs. Like my of of seeing and maybe this isn't important to your understanding of of Voldemort slash quarrel, but like because we talked about this a few episodes episodes ago that um, the idea that Quirrell as a broken person um, and I don't, I don't know if, if this is kind of like to your understanding of it, but like I like the idea of Quirrell as a completely abstract and sort of like pure concept of evil in that, like his, His, his sociopathy and his complete lack of empathy as a, like, completely broken and, uh, like, actually, broken is the wrong, wrong word. Broken implies that there was, like, a, some sort of state of not brokenness that once was there. Like, a, like, Quirrell as a completely incapable, alien, inhuman thing, uh, not capable of, you know, kind of holding the, core values that, that we understand as like goodness. Like he's sort of like, he, he takes in the story, the place of I am the thing that is pure evil. Um, And it, and it works for that, for me that way. Like, I like, I like that role for him in in the story. Yeah. The idea idea of him as like, Oh, he was once, you know, even the idea like, okay, he never was, but Oh, quarrel as a child could have been, something something like oh if he had only been raised in a nicer you know environment he would have been human like 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 that doesn't work for me i like the idea of like he's completely just inhuman like there was never anything here um i hear
0: what you're saying i think for me i like uh, like I think they're both true, and I I think we've talked about my maybe misuse the word broken there. Like for, the the way I, I put it that way is because yeah, I, I, wonder, I imagine I'm just
1: wondering if it's like if we because it's I don't, I'm not even sure that like my idea of that is like quote the right way or, or that your that that version of it would be like wrong, but like that seems to be like a big kind of a big difference.
0: No, I hear you. I think I think there's a couple ways to think about it because like um, the the way I think about it. The, the way I like thinking about it with thinking of Quirrell as a not complete human is because I don't think that he's outside the realm of possible, like human minds. Like yeah. there are uh, like, luckily psycho- psychopaths are very rare, but like this, this is on the, on the spectrum of how humans c- can, can work. And the, like, I like thinking about it as broken because I, I see it as fixable. Like we can't fix uh psychopathy at you know on earth yet but i think it's it's a solvable problem and like i i guess i like the idea of uh you know so we we get to harry's solution on how to deal with voldemort in the next uh second we'll get yeah. to that minute but like it would have been maybe this will be something that he does later or something but i like the idea of him being able to fix voldemort right not just like uh find a way to steal him away but to to restore him like I don't know what transfiguration can do. Like, you know, McGonagall can turn a, a desk into a pig and she doesn't have to know all the biochemistry of a pig, but the pig knows how to stand and walk or something. Mm-hmm. Would it be as easy as transfiguring his brain into one that has the circuitry for compassion and empathy? Like, I don't think it'd be that easy, but on, so the reason I'm thinking about it as he's not just this empty, like, stand-in for the concept, concept of evil is that I, I want the... The person I want the the person behind uh, Voldemort. I want Tom Riddle to be savable. Yeah, I, I want the the future of humanity to be able to save people like Voldemort, and so that's why I think about it as like there's a person under there who's who's uh, incomplete, and that that's why he is the way he is. Um, but there there's in the in the magical medicine future, there'll be some way to shove in the missing pieces and be like, oh yeah. Uh, now we can turn, now we can wake him back up and, uh, he should be, you know, overcome with some guilt for a while about what he did and then realize that, oh, I guess I was, you know, I was damaged. Now i realize realized that I have all these feelings that I care about stuff. Um, I, I want that to be able to happen. So that, that's why I think about it the way I do, but I don't know if there's yeah. one that is. The- no, I
1: like that. So that's definitely not at all how I'm seeing this, but I like, I, I, yeah, I kind of want to like sit with that for a while as that's this like other version of the story that i'd like to sort of like you know run through my head and see see how that plays because i mean yeah i like i like that idea for for me how like he works as just kind of like a you know a a storytelling device like he is a like an inhuman like a, a not at all you know relatable or like he's, he's alien and inhuman and, and totally lacking in anything that we like about what it means to be a person. Um, and then, and all the things that then that means about like what is Harry's reaction to him? What is, what is his place within the story? Um, so yeah, that's my, that is my take. And, and that has such a like a huge influence on then how you kind of see the whole story, uh, and then, like, so, and then your idea, because that's so kind of important to the whole thing, and and such a a kind of fundamentally different take on it. I kind of, yeah, I kind of want to sit with that for a while. Of like, okay, what if what if we thought of Quirrell as you know potentially human, <laughs> like potentially worthy of redemption, um, and you know, and possibly like, okay, what would what would the kind of horrible things that would happen to an ego to turn them into that kind of psychopath? And, you know, how do you sort of like claw back that, you know, you know, that somewhere underneath that, there was a human that wanted to be happy. Um, or even if like that person that's is, not there. Yeah. Yeah. How do
0: you add that person? And so like, yeah. I mean, you can just think about it, especially cause this is a magic book. We can just set it up as easy as this. If Harry had two buttons, one was, kill Voldemort and destroy all his horcruxes and the other one was make Voldemort a human with feelings who doesn't want to be this way which one would he push yeah and i think that we the the just and you know if Voldemort is uh too evil i mean just think of any you know evil person you can think of in the real world be like would you rather would you rather them be killed or would you rather them be like see the error of their ways and grow like that that's what if, that, what so, if
1: hitler had been accepted to Hard school,
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, I mean, I, I do love the would you the, like to
1: be Hitler's puppy?
0: Reducto reducto ad Hitlerum, mm-hmm. um, but like, because I when you go full Hitler, like, can would it be worth the cost of the rest of the world of like, yep, hit all the people Hitler killed are dead, but we did manage to save Hitler, but he's 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 better now, guys. I don't know if the rest of the world would be happy enough with that because vengeance is kind of built into uh, mm-hmm. our underlying software but i i uh you pick somebody less evil than hitler you know i don't mm-hmm. know some some asshole just generic jerk would you rather them be, be wiped out or or fixed and i i mean it's maybe i'm making the problem too easy but that, that's how i think about it i i think about it from the transhumanist perspective of like this is uh it, it, if we could do the good thing what would the good thing look like and let's let's aim for that
1: so Um, Yeah. And I think like, that's probably, that that seems like it hits pretty close to like, if we were going to come to a, what is the moral of the story of this podcast you and I put together (laughs) Um, is like the, the alien outsider. I am not a rationalist perspective of, um, you know, what, how do I come across this entire story as, as I, you know, read it, um, that, that difference between, hard to put words to it, the, the kind of like the difference between what is the, like the, the willing, it seems like, like the, the common, uh, apparently my impression uh, commonly, like people don't like quarrel. People don't like the uh, level of sort of justifying quarrel's behavior. Um, and that's, and, and the, the things that seem very clearly like, okay, you know what? That's kind of evil and you're not supposed to like that. Um, kind of that, that, that distance between, um, these are the things that are kind of not cool to be as a human versus these are the things that, well, okay, yes, he's technically correct. Um, like that, that, that distance between the kind of, I'm I'm not putting good words to this, the appeal of kind of his, you know, nerd alphaness versus the, oh, this is how you would want to be in general. Um, like that seems to like, that comes across uh, in that kind of distinction between like, okay, is Quirrell pure evil or is Quirrell a, you know, damaged, but in some alternate universe could have been, could have been saved. Um, that kind of that that difference between you know to what extent are do you want to um, try to kind of understand where quarrel is coming from? Um, if you see quarrel as kind of like probably where I'm coming, from if you see quarrel as a kind of just pure distillation of evilness, then you don't really feel a lot of motivation to try to like justify any of his behavior, but. Um, if you see him as, you know, you know, savable, if you see him as, you know, broken, but potentially could have been good, um, then you kind of put back into play all of the, you know, the, the distinctions of, you know, you know what are the, you know, what are the things that, you know, Quirrell decided were you know, inadequate about humanity i hear um, what you're saying
0: i think i actually get to have it both ways though like none of the stuff he did was excusable i mean the fact that he was a a monster who went around you know skinning people and nailing them to walls and stuff like none of that is justifiable uh i i think that even if you take the the view that i have where it's like let's try and make this person a a let's try and make this this monster a person uh that doesn't mean that you have to try and justify or explain any of his monster stuff that's just what he did when Mm -hmm. he was a monster so like if he if he got to live for another five thousand years and you got to fix him after 70 so he gets to look back and be like oh my god my first 70 years yeah i was i remember i was fucked up that that sucked that that's the future that i want where it's like (laughs) yeah right yeah um where he can look back and remember and be like oh man yeah if only i had these missing pieces of what of of humanity then i wouldn't have done those things i i now get to to understand that, that that's what I think about. So I, it doesn't even entail having to under, you know, to justify any of the, the evilness uh, that's just yeah. it, the, the, you know, it's like, a, I, I was going to draw like an analogy to like, I don't know a rabid dog or something, but it's not even, it's, it, this is even simpler than that. Cause this is just somebody who, you know, came off the assembly line, Without all the pieces, went forth and yeah, did all no, the you do mean, like it's that. Interesting
1: that you said because that's something that's been running through my head was specifically rabid dog as as a metaphor of like, do you judge the behavior on some kind of you know scale of you know these are the ethics of of what is good and bad or do you judge it as you know this is just a you know this is an animal this you know this is a misaligned mental state this is a broken thing acting the way broken things do um like that that sort of like changes your your approach to like any kind of moral judgment you would you would have on something is yeah. like yeah is this is, is this person wrong or is this person just broken
0: that, that's um, the way i think about it
1: yeah yeah and i guess like that's sort of like the you know the dude that murders somebody versus the dude that's just a serial killer. Not that those are like, either of those are okay, but like on some level, like the serial killer is less of a moral decision and more of a, like you just said, like a, a rabbit dog, like, Oh, this is just a broken thing that needs to be contained versus, you know, this is, you know, something I'm going to arrive at some kind of moral or ethical judgment about
0: yeah, but we get to bring our hands a lot less about the like the ethics of throwing the the unrepentant serial killer in prison for life uh whereas somebody who whatever had some if not sufficient because there's very few sufficient reasons to kill somebody but some understandable reason and like then that person's also in prison for life next to all these psychopathic serial killers it's like well I feel more I feel worse about the person who I could I can understand if I was in their shoes I might have done the same thing right Yeah um
1: yeah. That's, um, potentially this runs off into a rabbit hole, but like that something I thought a lot about is like our sort of kind of societal idea of punishment as like, it comes along with some, some, you know, element of judgment and righteousness that if you do more look at it from a, from a perspective of, a kind of yeah more utilitarian just like okay how you know how will things turn out if we act this way versus that way like if you treat psycho murderers or you know child molesters or something that just feels like you are fundamentally broken human and if you stop worrying about it as a moral judgment and just start thinking about it as okay how do we need the world to work um if it's not like oh you're very very wrong and we're going to do this you know this you know, proportionally, you know, bad thing to you in retribution. That if it's, oh, you're broken, you're not ever going to be okay. We can't let you out into public society because you're just going to keep doing these things. Let's just pull you out, not to punish you, but just because you're not okay to play with the other children, literally. Um, that like it, it, like if I, I get it. so that the thing that runs in my head is like, okay, for these like fundamentally just psycho broken kind of people, like you know serial murderers, child molesters, whatever. If we stopped looking at it as like, what's the magnitude of the evil you've done versus the Like, what's the consequence if we let you run around in the world? Like, okay, you're broken. You're never, you're not ever going to be okay. It's not like, okay, if we punish you enough, you're going to find out that everything's, you know, that, oh, I shouldn't act that way anymore. You're just broken. We should, like, you know, separate you from the world. If it stops being about punishment and starts being about prevention, like, okay, let's make, you know what? Let's make, you know, a great, fabulous, You know, golf—you know, golf club, country course—you know, environment for child molesters and psycho killers. They get to go to this great, awesome little uh, prison where they're never, ever, ever going to be allowed to interact with humanity again. And we don't worry about, oh, do they deserve it? Because we're not going to be hurting them very much. We're gonna, we're gonna put them in some like. Really nice, nice environment that that isn't a big deal. So we don't have you know this huge cost in our head of you know what would it you know is it justifiable to do this to him? It's not a big deal, but okay, if we put this super bad person into this country club environment, they're never going to come out of again. Like life is going to be better for everybody, um, and we're not thinking about it as okay they're evil and they've done a thing that deserves this level of retribution um like if you take the the sense of self you know self-righteous you know punishment and and justification out of it um like that seems like a better way to like look at it like you know how how does this play, uh, play out
0: yeah i think that that's where like there are alternate uh approaches to like what is the purpose of a prison and uh you know on according to the label in the u.s it's uh for uh rehabilitation um which is it's almost like, what we're talking like about no with
1: evidence to back that shit up
0: right uh, but other countries do do rehabilitation better um uh, but like removal from society is one it's like you know what we can't fix you we can't rehabilitate you um we're not going to send you away just for you know uh retribution that you know we're we're, we're civilized we're not going to do just that which is kind of what we do now um but but we can't have you running around killing people so we're gonna we're gonna lock you into this uh into this building where you can't run around killing people. Like that, you know, I think that makes sense and that's probably the civilized way to go in in the circumstance where you can't actually fix them. So,
1: yeah, um, yeah, like if you if you take cruelty away from the punishment. Like, okay, like, this isn't a cruel punishment. It's just a like this is how it's going to play out.
0: This is what we need for society to function. Yeah. We can't have you run around doing the horrible stuff you're doing and since we can't rehabilitate you, we just need to get you out of the out of the rest of society.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and then you stop worrying about it. It's, in terms of like oh could you be rehabilitated or whatever like like you, you're then able to engage the part of your mind that's like okay can this guy be rehabilitated well no anybody that would have done this like sick shit like the, there's no amount of punishment that's going to like bake that out of them um so you know like if that's there then okay how do we deal with this we just need to not let them interact with other humans anymore yeah so Insert so, segue. Yeah, so, so Quirrell so just needs, a, you know, to go to the, you know, men's camp of
0: <laughs> of, of unrehabilitable, <laughs> people. unrehabilitable. Yeah, he kind of does. Like uh,
1: Central coastal California. It's a nice area.
0: That's basically where Harry puts him. Um, so, you know, Harry could have tortured him to death. Like, so we, we, all right, so we'll, we'll run through briefly kind of what happens in 114. So, um, Harry is, uh, sitting there basically just stalling with this awesome conversation and big shout out to Alexander Jackson, the guy who did the voice for Vold- for Voldemort um, and for Inyash, obviously for putting this together. So expertly um, the, the back and forth that he and, and Harry have uh, or Harry and Voldemort have, that is, is kind of like Harry just trying to figure out ways to continue the conversation. Um, so like at the beginning, it's not clear that's that's what he's doing. Um, and then he, he kind of just tells us that right. Like he's just, I'm looking for another way to stall. And right. so like in the back in the of his mind, scene,
1: but like totally in, in an awesome way, felt very reservoir dogs. Right. Like, and we're just like staring at each other in this like heightened sense of, you know, everybody's going to die eventually in a second. Like all the chips are on the table. It was awesome. Yeah. It was and
0: so he, he goes for a couple of things, like trying to trick him into being hunted by death or by, uh, um, to mentors, uh, then I like that one where he's like, "Oh yes, uh, now I s- I'll allow you to select someone who can be saved," and he says, "Myself." <laughs> mm-hmm. That was one of the solutions I remember from the Reddit thread. Yeah, Quarrel's
1: like, uh "Yeah, if we're gonna keep playing this stupid game, I'll kill you right now."
0: Right. And so I, I like where um, this is where he says that he's stalling, and then after that he or he says to us that he's stalling and then he tells voldemort like all right lower your weapon and don't point your wand in my direction speak no commands to your servants i do possess capabilities of which you are ignorant one uh such capacity to cause huge explosion almost instantly without speaking incantation and so like there's uh, kind
1: of where i i'm remembering i don't know if i don't know where the hell it came from but yeah the idea of antimatter as a thing
0: I pitched that um, as my, that was my solution that I gave last yeah. episode.
1: Was it? Yeah. I mean, cause when he said that, I'm like, Oh yeah, this was like on the table of, you know, concepts that we entertained was okay. Can Harry create antimatter?
0: And th- this was the, uh, the canonically bad ending. Um, so if like, if, this, if the real solution hadn't been found, I think this is, I don't know if the author would have actually gone through the, the fun of like kind of making the end of the book sad or not, but like, um, this this was what he told us the the canonically bad ending where he couldn't think of a way out of it so he just blows everybody up
1: um, yeah I mean, it's, and that was kind of my like the core of my problem with these with these chapters was like if we were gonna bring the lawyers in um, it didn't seem it like this quote solution very much hinged on ideas of okay you can't which. I guess is established, but like, okay, you can only transform things that the wand is touching. Like you can't, and, but also you can't transform the air around you, both of which are pretty like arbitrary, but like, that's fine. But it's, it seemed like, okay, if we were, if we're going to come into this, like if we're going to present this kind of puzzle, as, okay, here's the mental exercise we're all going to go through. And these are the, you know, and our lawyers have said the parameters are such um, like those things didn't. And I'm sure there's plenty of stuff in, in the store, in the chapters that have come before this to establish this, but it didn't, like those, those things are like, p- were p- super important to the, uh, parameters of what like what came up, but they didn't seem they didn't feel at the moment like super well established like uh, like at at as I read that chapter, the idea that only things that can the only things that can be transformed are whatever touches the wand, uh, I guess that's true, but that wasn't like some that didn't that wasn't definitely like, oh, that is a thing I know. Um, that was sort of after the fact and that like when we entered the land of, okay, we're in this, you know, kind of, you know, mental puzzle of how do we solve this problem? Um, the, the different things that kind of factored into what, you know, what does and doesn't work to get Harry out of this, out of this problem, um, kind of, they weren't, they didn't feel like super well established.
0: That's, I think why it worked really well as a group exercise, um, And why kind of having you do it in isolation was fun just for like the, the conversation that we got to have about it. But like, this was where, you know, in, in the room of a thousand nerds where someone says, oh, what if he just, you know, transfigures the ground into whatever to, to to go to the people. It's like, no, no, someone would find the passage. No, no. It says right here, his wand has to be touching it. Okay. Well, that's new constraint. So like, this is just, Mm -hmm. uh, this adds to the, like the fun game of let's find the stuff in here. Um, and it's it's partly being told that like there, the 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 solution is findable and the clues are there. So then it lets people just like madly control F through the entire story to try and find whatever they can. Yeah, and it was awesome. Yeah, that's
1: a part. Yeah, that, and that's part that like I'm totally on board with. I'm I'm really glad that like I got to also see the notes that Yukowski put in at the same time, which was like, hey, you know, some people are totally enjoying this process, so like leave them alone and let them enjoy it. <laughs> um, that like. And like, and that's a totally fun little, little mental process. Um, and, and it's when like, and as long as it stays and that's like been how I've had to sort of kind of like file this in my head, like these chapters in my head is like, while it's that kind of fun, super nerdy, like oh, this, cause this is such an awesomely nerdy ending. So like, <laughs> like how do you defeat Coral? You defeat Coral like, like, like you wouldn't expect. Um, like that part's super fun. It's the the kind of dark side to when you invite in Reddit, um, which is the, you know, for me, the the proxy for all evil super <laughs> you know, like the the group dynamic of like the the dark side of fandom, um when it turns into that kind of more like what's the right word, the the you know kind of more malicious not as well-intentioned kind of bitter level of like ooh, i'm the comic book guy thing. when yeah. when the nasty part of comic book guy comes in and tries to kind of you know imply that well like you know any smart person would have come up with this particular solution um that's when it's, it's like ah you know that just I don't. I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. I don't, I don't think kinda- anybody
0: got to stand there in that. Like I said, that comic book kind of flexi, whatever. I'm better than you. Position because no. I don't think one person thought of the entire solution. And if they did, they're lost to obscurity. Like it, yeah. this happened as a group effort, which made it awesome. And like I, you know, I hear what you're saying. Large, large parts of Reddit suck. There are nice corners of niceness, and while there's, you know, the share of of uh, comic book. Uh, I would say no, it's on,
1: mostly uh, the niceness. Like it's like the the exception is the not niceness. Like
0: yeah. Well, I guess what I'm saying though is that the the community had none of this like holier than now. Like I I figured this out. You're stupid for not getting it. It was all a collaborative, fun game effort. And like I think everyone in participating was having a good time. So yeah. like
1: and it's like that that like oh this is this collective sort of um like you know this this hunt this 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 chase that we're all kind of like collectively doing together. That part's like super cool. And that's like not a thing you could get in any like JK Rowling can't, you know, cause that to happen. Um, yeah. That's the cool thing about publishing. Serial
0: the only yeah. way to get that done. You don't you get to publish really a book done. and then sit back and say, I'll write the next one. If you guys figure this out. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that and that's the, better and cooler part of like a a lot of things that rub me the wrong way are around the, Oh, this was done in the audience of Reddit. Um, And I'll probably stand, you know, stand by that. Like, okay, that's, yeah, not that cool. But what, what you do get for that, that you can't get any in any other way is that kind of like, okay, yeah. A community of people have, you know, kind of banded around this kind of super fun activity of you, know, you you can't simulate a thousand minds applying themselves to something that that only happens when you actually apply the thousand minds um and that and that part's like super cool it's like like fun and and then you do like put in all the you know weird little caveats and and you know that's you know that's when it's okay to bring in the lawyer like you got to bring in the lawyer to get those thousand people there and then that's like super fun like like, oh, what what would this be like if we really did, you know, apply super strict, you know, rules of what can and cannot happen?
0: And like, yeah, I agree. And the, the other major fun part, like I said, was just the fact that you got to have a community effort doing it. And whether it was on Reddit or a, you know, Slack channel or something, it doesn't matter like where the community was. Yeah, right. Like th- there, there's nowhere else that I can, that I've ever had or I can imagine easily being done. Where you get to have your, you know, the fan base of whatever it is help figure something out all together, unless it's like, uh, you know, I imagine if I was on Reddit when Breaking Bad was going on, you know, people could be on threads speculating about what will happen if this happens or whatever, but being told by the person creating it, be like, hey, ha- go f- go on figuring this out, or we'll just shoot Walt in the desert. Like that would have been, mm-hmm. uh, like. There, I, I guess what I like about it is that the that Yudkaski was able to create a situation where people actually got to go forth and do this, yeah. and it was awesome. So, like, it, it wasn't just the kind of fun circle jerk you get where you write a thread of like, you know, who would win in a fight between Thor and Wonder Woman or something. Um, th- this got to be like, hey, there's a real answer, go find it, and that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, there's also another funny bit that I think when so the the swerving stunner hex that he uses to hit Voldemort that looks and sounds like stupefy but is Stuporify. Um I think when he used that against Moody, you even had some offhand remark. He's like, obviously that's going to be super important later. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah, it, it turned yeah, out to but me- when
1: that when that came in, you're like, okay, yeah, like I am totally okay with like you invested enough time in the plot to make me okay with the importance of this right now. Right. Like, I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Well, that's chapter one fourteen, and
1: was that that only a chapter?
0: Yep. It's all together. Uh, The next one's shorter, but this is my one of I think this uh, top three chapters for the whole book for me. Partly because this is
1: I mean like this is the uh, one hopes this is like the payoff. This is we're in chapter we're we're in act five,
0: right? This is the. this is the, the climax, yes. right? But no, I mean, one fourteen is is definitely top five too. But one fifteen, where he's now deliberating what to do with Voldemort, that's that's one of my top three.
1: Yeah,
0: uh, th- this is uh, and probably in no small part because I didn't know Inyash all that well when this episode was coming out. But I asked him to use a certain soundtrack for the climactic moment in this chapter, and he did. So I got to be like, "Yay! I got to punch my nerd nice. card for that one." Well,
1: it's very like for me. Uh, this whole podcast is about who knows Eniash when? Because <laughs> <laughs> I so I, the the way you and I met was was through Emyash, and the, uh, I was in a book club with Eniash. and I remember when this with this happened was he he kind of like sent out to everybody he knew was like okay, you know, I'm doing this like I'm doing this podcast thing with this uh you know this book. Can anybody be a you know a reader for any particular parts of this. So I remember that when this happened a few years ago, I'm like, ah, now I didn't realize what a big deal this was going to turn into.
0: And now, wouldn't you good, know it? It's the most important thing in your life.
1: Apparently. So.
0: <laughs> you know, you'd have done a good job for the voice of a uh, Polyjuice professor. Quirrell is described as like Quirrell. deep and gravelly.
1: I could, I could see Quirrell. I could do Quirrell. I, I mean, the Polyjuice
0: one. one. I think Inyash kept oh, like the, like the major characters to himself. Cause he didn't want to have to rely on somebody else for like <laughs> literally you know, hours worth of. Stuff for I, I think I could part. do
1: it. Actually, and it was totally just like, oh, I got other shit going on right now. I, I do recall because of what this is like five years ago. I I do recall thinking like, oh, that'd be fun, but oh, I got other shit going on.
0: Yeah, I I meant the small commitment so. of just doing the Azkaban arc. Uh, yes, yeah, no, yes, even that. Cause, yeah, because he was uh the apologist voice described to something closer to yours. First.
1: Now, now that I, now that I uh am able to hear myself as a you know alien voice that happens on the internet I'm like oh yeah that'd be a good voice for quarrel Oh know for uh moody
0: oh yeah moody too would have been great yeah yeah what's fun is that and this is the secret sauce to how quarrel's voice came to be Inyash kind of uh like i don't know what you call it uh there's a word for it, not took inspiration from, but like did he's, he's emulating the voice of the 1990s uh, X-Men TV show of Magneto. And that's, yes. that's, that's the, that's the voice he uses for Quirrell. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. 115. So Harry's standing there and now he gets to actually look around and I don't know, uh, plan for a minute yeah. where it's yeah, not it's panic. Kind
1: of like it's this sort of, like calm in the storm kind of vibe of, okay, we, I mean, it was super cool the way it worked because like, oh, we were in this super tense situation of, you know, 37 child molesters. I'm loving that. Like that is my, that is the Brian Deacon take on this whole scene. <laughs> <laughs> 37 child molesters. Um, but the, yeah, like there's this kind of, th- this, this, Kind of like the visual of sense of that would be like, okay, here's 37 or whatever you know number of people kind of all focusing on one spot, and then suddenly Harry pulls the Quentin Tarantino moment of I'm dropping you all you assholes to the floor. Um, so it's this kind of like the the emphasis on the on the absence of of observation that suddenly we're we're all alone. Like, that, that was the part that, that – I don't know how important it is to the scene, but the – like, what made that, that scene, like, very kind of, like, viscerally effective to me was um, suddenly we've been in this crowd of people and we're in this very important and tense scene and suddenly I'm alone um, which and that's what like kind of gave power to the scene was, okay, I've got this like completely unjustified and crazy, you know, Stockholm syndrome uh, attack attachment to Quirrell, who's there, but now he's gone, and I've been and threatened physically and mentally in in all other senses, thirty seven grown ups surrounding my naked 11 year old body
0: <laughs> risking your life so nobody sees your ding dong is tight.
1: Um, like like there's been this very the exact opposite of I am now alone with my thoughts suddenly in the in the exact moment of like Harry came up with this great idea of how do I take 37 plus one 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 people out of the picture? boom, it all, it all happened. And now I'm Harry Potter alone in a graveyard with all the shit I have to deal with. Um, and like a super cool, like, like there's so much kind of like powerfulness to that, to that, that vibe to that, um, where like the, everything we've been building up to, up to the this point in the entire story has like the full weight of everything that's happened up to here is now plunked right in the middle of a graveyard. And you're an 11 year old boy dealing with the shit.
0: Yeah. Um, no, it's so awesome. that, yeah,
1: that was super cool.
0: I think the, the other fun thing too, is just like the, the tone shift. The other one was, you know, pulse at maximum, uh, this like intense drive and focus, and this one it, it opens up saying something like a fugue state had come over Harry's mind, and like you kind of get this moment of just like like you, know, coming down from the adrenaline rush, right? And yeah. so that, that's what this yeah, chapter kind of feels like. Yeah,
1: yeah, And what I like too is like, okay, now that all the you know heat has been pulled off the situation, what's important? My best friend Hermione is right here. How do I take care of her? Like like now that things are quiet, what's important? Oh, my best friend is important.
0: Um, and so how, do, like, how do we, getting, how yeah. do we stop Voldemort yeah, how rather stop, than just, yeah, how do we
1: stay, Yeah. How do we, how do we fix everything? But yeah, it's like, okay, what's important to me now that I'm able to, you know, if you let me decide what's important to me as a human being, what are those things? Um, and the things Harry focuses on immediately are, okay, here's my friend Hermione. Like, okay, how do I solve the problem Um, And, and what's important to me and it, and it, and it lets you kind of see like, okay, now that we're getting kind of this raw version of what is Harry as a person, the, the version of that is, you know what, my best friend is lying right here. How do I take care of her?
0: Yeah, it's awesome. There's the, like, it doesn't, it doesn't even quite walk us through his thought processes until he's doing it, but he's, so he looks down at Baltimore, he's, he's watching, you know, blood flow out of his wrist stumps. And he just goes over, grabs his pouch and his robes and his time turner. And then he just whips out his medical kit and starts tourniqueting him. And he's, and so, you know, part of it is like, and, and I love, he, he, you know, I won't just read the passage because it, I couldn't do it justice by summarizing it. But he talks about just like how unjust it feels to be saving Voldemort's life while he just killed everyone else and given what Voldemort's done. But he's like, no, nah, like I, I have to do it this way because he can't just die. And not, not because it's wrong, but because, or not because it's merely wrong, but because it actually wouldn't work. He's got this backup system. So, you know, speaking of the backup system, this was some of the other solutions I remember reading in the Reddit thread, you know, like throwing his wand in the Dementor pit, um, that sort of stuff. So he's thinking like, well, I could torture him into insanity. And then because of the the non-secure nature of Voldemort's backup system, <laughs> all, all, of his, all of his backups would be corrupted. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh the the solution um of like okay well, we've got to find a way to like not register him as dead, and uh i mean that honestly would have been sufficient in in and of itself, i think, but he he
1: yeah goes I, to the- I like that like it was the like harry was was thinking to himself, okay, I managed to in a very clever hairy way you know graduate myself to the you know, set of events that allow me to consider this in a, you know, dispassionate calm way that once he was there, he's like, okay, if you're, if given the problem of how does one solve a Voldemort, um, there are a great many of totally plausible solutions that none of which are, you know, a big deal um, it's like, yeah, okay, sure. It's a, it's a hard problem to solve, but there are many, many easy solutions to that problem and you know, so now that I've solved the you know the big problem of you know I I am surrounded by 37 child molesters and men, Satan, um, you, that problem solved. So now I've got a whole big list of menu items to to choose from to to how to fix this. This one's easy. Like I yeah, I like that. How it was just kind of a like now he's now Harry's just sort of like like flipping through his, his address book of, okay, what are the right ways? You know, what are the moral way, moral solutions to the current situation we're in? Um, I've got a lot of them and let's pick a good one.
0: Right. It's a, I like the line. Once you forgot to be scared of how impossible the problem was supposed to be, it wasn't even difficult, not by comparison to the last one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And
0: so all of the like, all right, cool. So he's got a hundred backups. Well, let's work away. Let's all, all I do is work around that one thing. And so Yeah, and
1: like all those problems just like, okay, yeah, that's just like, oh, you just need to be clever to solve that problem. Right. No problem. Yep. That's fine.
0: Well, actually it's gonna be super easy, barely an inconvenience. So
1: And but, he brings up that like the uh uh and I had remembered I don't know if uh the audience had run into this, but the the idea of the um the I can't remember we put it, but the hundred yard tall um fence post. Yeah. Be like, yeah, the The, oh, you know, this is super easy. This problem is super easy to solve and anybody trying to uh, defeat it will just find a different problem to solve. Um, Only a very obliging
0: attacker would try and climb
1: the fence. Yeah, (laughs) that's a a good good phrase. Very obliging attacker. Um, Yeah, and that's sort of like, that's very much in the spirit of how this whole thing has gone. It's like, oh, you've... Presented me with an impossible problem. I am going to redefine the problem.
0: Yeah. And so then I love the build up to the, to the climax here of what he does. So he's, uh, he's got Voldemort unconscious, uh, no longer bleeding. And he's uh, thinking about like, it, it's this awesome kind of long thing of, uh, you know, how do I um, square the fact that I'm, I'm saving the Joker, but you know, all of his henchmen just died. And uh like the the moment of where he says he let go of not his hate, not quite his hate, he hadn't been able to hate his creator even at the very end, but even so Harry let go of something of the sense that he ought to hate Voldemort or that it was a hate that he was obligated to feel for the endless list of crimes that Voldemort had committed for no good reason, not even his own happiness, and
1: it's yeah that- I like that. yeah, and that kind of I think that tied into my my idea of like. You know, it's it's a more constructive and healthy way to think about it as not you know not punishment but a solution. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like like everything, especially because Harry had so much kind of emotional investment in you know what is a quarrel um, that it didn't matter. Like he could just let go of all of that and and think about like okay, what you know, how do we get from A to B from this point? Um, and it's got to it it has to involve. Just kind of erasing what a Quarrel Slash Voldemort is. Yeah. Not not defeating it, but causing it to not exist. Yeah. And
0: it it's this nice kind of like for Harry tragic thing because Professor Quirrell was like a person that he looked up looked up to. And, mm-hmm. you know, that was one of the people that Tom Riddle was. And he's he's having yeah. to he has to kill his Professor Quirrell. Um I like the line too where he says that uh Instead, Harry looked at Hermione's breathing form atop the altar and let the tears finally start from his eyes. What would become of Hermione now? What path she would choose after this? Harry couldn't guess, but she would be there to have a choice. Um, other than there's the I know
1: it's super interesting to think because you know that that Harry considers and includes into that whole thought process the oh this is now a basically invulnerable immortal Hermione. Right. Like, what would that Hermione think? Like, so he's still considering that, but like, that, like along with that, and all of the kind of like mental implications that it implies is, okay, if like, what would the world be like if you had to run it by a Hermione that had been alive for ten thousand years?
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I yeah. it didn't occur to me that she's, uh, I guess, immortal now. <laughs> uh, like, I knew she had a yeah, horcrux, like, but yeah, yeah especially
1: because like, coral went to so much trouble to make sure that she would be immortal. Yeah, I like mean, it, I shit the horcrux Quirrell and... definitely wants you know a hundred a hundred thousand years from now, Quirrell definitely wants some Hermione standing around to go like, oh hey Harry, that's bullshit, right? <laughs> Which is pretty cool.
0: He moved mountains to make sure that that could happen. Yeah. yeah. So the the part that always that I that I like about this a lot that hit me was the um uh, so he's Harry's sitting there and we it doesn't say what he's going to do just yet until he's looking over Voldemort. And it says, and Harry thought of the shape of the spell he would cast. He didn't have much fine control, but the pattern he he needed was simple. It just needed to include, and then it breaks to like parentheses. So like his actual thoughts. And it says, it just needed to include everything. Forget everything. Mm -hmm. Tom Riddle, Professor Quirrell, forget your whole life. And then uh, he has this last moment of, he says, if you had any truly happy memories, not of hurting people or laughing at their pain, but the warm feeling of helping someone or being helped... Then keep only those, and uh,
1: yeah, I think like this. This kind of speaks to your take of this whole thing was like, like this level of human. Like, there's some level of, I don't know, humanity makes it sound too simplistic, but like, there's a there is personhood a yeah, there's a person that there, there, like there's a yeah, there's a human here that you don't want to kill. Like, there's not yeah. There's like, oh, and, and he's not even sort of like trying to justify anything. He's like, if there's anything here that was good of you, go ahead and remember that. Um, yeah. And and with, with kind of a sort of faith in like if that does exist and you do let that continue to exist, I like sort of a trust that, um, that that will, you know, kind of guide a goodness – To you, which I, which still sort of leaves around. I, I like, and it it seems like it's still there. There's kind of this, this still the sense of um, Voldemort slash Quirrell slash Tom Riddle is unnaturally and without explanation ludicrously powerful, um, which totally like which which works to place him in this kind of like storytelling place of like just of a pure power of pure evil in, in this, in this case, but like that, you know, Voldemort Coral is, is pure evil only in the sense that he is a, you know, a, a given power, you know, put in that, in that direction of evil. But Harry is kind of living in here as a kind of like, Oh, you know what, if there's, if there's, If, and it's not even like a, oh, definitely, but like, if there's any part of you that has kind of just a benevolent, you know, if if there's some part of you that likes other beings in the universe, let, let that exist. And the, you know, radical amount of power that you do have can, you know, go in that direction if, if it's there, um, because I think and, – and I I, I do kind of like – like, there's this kind of underlying idea that, like, at least – and it is kind of different from what your idea of it, but that, like, that Quarrel slash Voldemort is this sort of pure power, um, which may be evil, maybe not evil, but that he's – like, we don't need any explanation or, you know – justification for how powerful is quarrel or Voldemort he just is like he's the he's the problem that needs solving is what you know what do you do with evil given power um, and quarrel just is the power and then I, I guess like kind of your um, your take on it versus my take on it uh, being like was he inevitably a shitty? direction to that power or was he potentially a good direction to that power? Um, but like what works, what works as a story is like quarrels, this kind of, um, I don't know, kind of over the top, you know, times 10 version of, you know, what do we do with potential power?
0: Yeah. Now I hear what you're saying. I like that. And for me, it doesn't matter if he was always going to be evil or if he, just cause he had bad childhood or something, My, my thing is just like, if it's possibly fixable, we should try and fix it. So like, it doesn't matter if, uh, if he was, you know, inexorably going to be this, this terrible person, or if it was because of some misstep in childhood, or he didn't get enough vitamin A in his diet or something, and it ruined his (laughs) brain. Right. Like it, the the cause doesn't matter. The the point is, it's like, if we can fix it, let's do that. And so, um, the, like you're talking about with like power and, uh, it kind of makes you think of, um. I think it was in uh, the he's either in pale blue dot or cosmos, but Carl Sagan is talking about uh, nuclear weapons and it's the, the same technology that powers nuclear weapons will also be the same technology that we can use to power spaceships that get us to other solar systems. And he says, it's as if there was a God who handed us a choice, who handed us these tools and gave us a choice. Um, So like, you know, it's not like there's anything inherently evil about the amount of power Quirrell has. It's just that he's using it for bad purposes. You know, Dumbledore is arguably 80 or 95% as strong, but he's a good guy. Right. So it's just, which way do we turn, you know, how, how do we, how do we turn this power into a force for positivity? Um, It's, uh, it's fun to think about, but it's, I think rather than, so Harry doesn't merely like just try and, Put his his faith on like well maybe now that he's only got maybe some good memories left maybe he'll be he'll be good he's gonna go ahead and hold off on that decision and what to do with it until he can find a better you know time and circumstance so yeah. uh, ordinarily transfiguring somebody into a rock would be would be uh, fatal uh, but he's now seen that you can do that with Hermione and so he's like okay I can learn how to restore them to a, a proper you know restore Voldemort to a proper shape use the stone to make it permanent. And when I feel like I can safely do that, I've got this, you know, we can, we can do that. Um,
1: yeah. yeah. And like, and Harry's decision, like, we don't even really get too much, you know, kind of wringing our hands about the morality of the decision that, that Harry's like, Harry decides, okay, I'm going to turn Voldemort into my ring. Like, like I'm going to cause Voldemort to basically be thoroughly contained and not exist that's not a it's both not a like thoroughly overthought you know moral decision as well as a like okay this is just like very clearly the thing that needs to be done right now like and he understands it that way like like harry like harry understands that like, okay this thing that i'm doing i can do it because i have this new thing i can do about um you know, transforming people into things, you know, other things permanently. Um, like that's just the sort of common sense solution to the problem before him.
0: Yeah. And that it's also kind of just a way to put pause on how to handle this later on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so he, he finishes doing that and he does say too, that he did his best not to obliviate the, the magical knowledge that he has, um, so he's like, "Yep, I tried to just to eliminate his autobiography, not his declarative and procedural knowledge."
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I like was just, yeah. There was just kind of a sort of a kind of a base level of you kind know, of like I'm I'm not trying to like dictate the rest of your life, just to the extent that I can, you know, make this transparent, I will.
0: Well, I think I mean he he did you know dictate the rest of his life by destroying you know his like his memories of who he was. So like Voldemort and Professor Quirrell and Tom Riddle are all essentially dead. Um, What's what's left is just enough to make sure that his magic doesn't register him as dead. And uh, hopefully the the knowledge that he has, um, which is distinct from his memories, like there's actually fun case studies, well, fun or and or heartbreaking case (laughs) studies of of, of people with uh, uh, um, interrogate or er, yeah, enterobrate amnesia where they can't form new memories, mm-hmm. uh, but they can learn new tasks. Like playing the piano was the one that I saw a video about back in high school or something. So when they, when they had their accident and lost their ability to form new memories, they couldn't play the piano, but they practiced and you know, they live in a assisted living or something, but now they can play the piano when they couldn't before. And they don't know that they can play the piano until they, till they sit down to do it. Um, mm. So it is possible to separate the declarative knowledge and procedural knowledge from your, your, uh, autobiographical memory. Um, so let's see. Oh, yeah. So the other fun stuff that Harry does is he looks around and he's like, well, all right, this won't quite do. So he picks up Voldemort's wrists or his hands and puts them around Hermione's mm-hmm. neck and then like puts little chops into him so it doesn't look like the head stump wounds.
1: <laughs> and- really, so I've, I've been uh, watching for the first time uh, The Boys. Oh, nice! Uh, so I was as I was reading, I was reminded of uh, uh, was it Jack and the the main characters? Uh, like, oh, I've got to take a lamplighter's hands I need hands <laughs> to get through the rest of it because yeah, he needs uh, he needs to be able to break through the uh,
0: uh, headquarters, whatever. Yeah, the headquarters. Yeah,
1: yeah. He, he needs to to get past the um the the yeah, hand the scanner. scanner. Yeah. Hand scanner, which of course they clearly did not, you know, remove. Lamplighter from their database,
0: right? There's a <laughs> there's a bit like that in the uh, 2016 Doom game where I haven't played the new one because I'm not gonna drop 60 bucks for a 15 hour video game. But uh, the 2016 one is like 10 dollars, and it's like the the plot is so absurd and hilarious it doesn't even matter. But there's like he's going through some you know base or something, and he just grabs like the the head of this whatever guy with security clearance so he could put it up to the eye scanner. (laughs) Um, It's all very funny, but uh, in any case, so he, he's, he sets it up and he's clearly doing something here trying to make things look, I don't know, confusing and mysterious at this graveyard. He doesn't want to make it obvious what went down Mm -hmm. and, putting the stumps around her or putting the hands around uh, Hermione's neck seems to, yeah.
1: he's basically, he's like trying to recreate an alibi for the whole situation. Once, once the pigs show up.
0: Yeah. He wants to have some sort of story to have them Mm -hmm. be able to invent. Um, Then there's the, uh, the moment where he looks down at like professor Quirrell's body, who was never like actually Quirrell that he knew, but it was still, you know, as his face and he straightens him out and puts his wand in his hand and um then he looks yeah, around
1: and to a little bit we kind of see harry's like harry acknowledging his own kind of artificial attachment to Quirrell as like the identi- the identity specifically of Quirrell versus the you know that that person that that he represented um, so he yeah. sort of like he he knows that like okay this was just like a both a like a face A a fake, you know, impression of this this person I liked, but like even if it had been that that person I liked, it was only a you know a portion of what I you know admired.
0: Yeah, it's and you know not the important part either, right? It's just like how do how do you look at it and not have it be this intense reminder?
1: Yeah, Um, yeah, it sort of it, it where my head went was sort of like, oh, you know, there probably was this quarrel person uh that we did not at all get to see the and i was like oh you know i wonder what that person was like i imagine probably yeah you know good things to think about that person but we don't never got to see it
0: yeah it's just another you know put on the list of people voldemort just snuffed out without a thought right mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. it's yeah and it, it it probably says something i don't know profound and tragic that i'm failing to articulate that we never get to really meet the actual query quarrel, right? Yeah. Uh so
1: No, I, I I it feels like that's the point. <laughs> like yeah. oh yeah, there was this entire other person that we never got to see.
0: Yeah. So what's he do then? He uh he's got his stick of dynamite and a spool of uh um of <laughs> fuse cord and uh he pulls all that out of his pouch and in his head, be prepared. <laughs> be
1: prepared. Um and let's see how close to the how words do we need to be, and how, what's our altitude? And
0: yeah, yeah. So then he he wants to have this big explosion go off, and uh, so he goes and off.
1: Thinking about like oh, like oh, there's some like you know ten minutes ago version of Harry and Quirrell that are on their way here. That I need to not you know freak out. You know, I need to let them continue to do whatever they were going to do.
0: Yeah, he so he takes a, a sideways route back to the castle because he okay. doesn't want the defense professor to be able to detect the other Harry.
1: Um, Which is like <laughs> where my head went was this like kind of weird, like, okay. W- like putting myself in the head of this, you know, hyper competent quarrel slash Voldemort brain of, okay, there's this other stuff going on in the place you're about to head to where in your entire plot for the rest of your life is being foiled. Sucks to be you. <laughs> It was <laughs> sort of like oh like uh like oh uh, that's that's kind of a formidable opponent you need to defend.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh how do we wrap up here? Um so he's flying off and he counts to forty rather than sixty because he doesn't want to blow out his own ear drums and
1: uh
0: <laughs> and then him them turning his time turner on his way back to Hogwarts. So
1: Yeah, and we pretty much end here with like Harry thinking it's all resolved and just waiting for the good guys to show up.
0: Yeah, there's there's the. Uh, I mean, we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven chapters left, um, mm-hmm. and they're all you know, like how the Azkaban arc was all called Stanford Prison Experiment, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. These ones are all called some version of something to protect.
1: And yes, I, uh, and I did skip forward enough to like Hermione to protect her, something to protect colin hermione or something is
0: yeah they other than the the first one they all get names after minerva McGonagall and all that stuff so um the the last one as you already know is called something to protect hermione granger so but we're not getting there next week next week we're only going to do chapters 116 117 and
1: 118 three chapters
0: yeah i think it's you know, it's, it's not all that much reading, but mainly because one nineteen is pretty long. So I figure we'll save that one and probably lump it in with at least one or two others. And then we'll probably do one twenty two on its own, which if my math is right, then and I'm not going to change the plan means we have about three episodes left. So mm. we're uh, we're in the end game
1: coming up on the end.
0: Anything else to add on this one?
1: uh no it's been yeah no it's kind of it's been cool like this is like the big payoff we're definitely in the like the second half of the act five of a story
0: we're in that part where like after the big climax is over it like just does some of like the like and here's what happened to this person here's what happened to this person yeah it kind of yeah. is kind of
1: that like like okay so i will be super surprised if we have any like really big plot, important oh, resolutions to anything. Will you? So, so I will. In
0: fact. At this point, I will mention just as a I fun guess. joke, this happened yeah. on the, on Reddit where somebody, <laughs> um, they were like, man, I loved the whole, you know, the ending. I loved everything we got there. Um, the ending being like the, the climax here before the book mm-hmm. was finished. And they were said, you know, but I've got one really intense, outstanding question that I need an answer to. What happened to Harry's pet
1: rock? <laughs> <laughs> pet, oh yeah, that came from. Oh yeah. So what? It was when he was so sick. So what do we know about Harry's pet rock right now? It's just some <laughs> random bullshit he has in his pouch, right?
0: No, no. That that's his father's that's rock. True. The pet rock was the one when like that's McGonagall true. asked if he wanted to get a bird or get, oh. a, get an owl. He said no. I, I had a pet rock once. It died. Uh, it died. And it was they made a joke about it's it a so couple times throughout the yeah. story where it's like, it died. yeah. Well, so. I mean, the, so we,
1: and we have sort of outed, like, okay, the the significance of shit one can transform and permanently keep that way is important. So, well, with, I, so, so, all, so yeah. all I'll
0: say is that it was fun because this isn't spoilery because this was available if you were around at the time. Was that Eliezer wrote back to that comment and he says, I can confirm that this is the most important question left in the story.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that? So, that is the source of that of that quote the Im- most important source of the story.
0: Yes, I think so. So that Excellent. I think I think I can't remember who it was that maybe it was Daniel who told me to start saying that for everything, but say just tell them that that's the most important thing yeah. in the story. Um and so that that's where that came from was that I'm not sure if you got it from yeah. the same spot, but that's that's where I I thought it was. Uh anyway, so stay tuned. We'll be back next week for 116, 117 and 118.
1: Yes. And